You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7. And before that, uh, I've been few people brought up to me that I should explain that uh, I started out writing at Indians Baseball. Well, back then it was Indians Prospect Insider, became Indians Baseball Insider, had stuff appear on Waiting for Next Year, uh, the Cleveland fan, all sorts of places back in the day uh, before getting those gigs, national gigs at Scout and 24-7. On today's show, we're going to kind of marry the two interests. I talked about this on the podcast yesterday. We're going to talk about, uh, I have not released my Indians top 30 prospects. Uh, I normally do that early in the year and there were so many things going on. It just didn't come together. I keep these in a Google, not a Google sheet. That's something else like in the Google Excel. And I have my prospect lists going back to 2015. So you can see the, uh, I'll post a link on my Twitter uh, it's in the video at Jeff MLB draft. You can see how I have done or how, how I have not done. You can make choices for yourself. It is definitely interesting to go back and look at uh, where I rated players through the years and how things have turned out. Uh, you know, I'm looking back just three years ago, Luis Oviedo, who they lost in the rule five draft this past year. I had him fifth. That was, <laughs> that was an aggressive placement. But I, he was so good in Mahoning Valley that year, pay, uh, facing college talent. And I remember just completely being enthralled by the upside. We'll see what he does with the Pirates. But uh, some interesting names, some things to check out. Because I have 30 players, we're going to start at the top and then go backwards through. Might lump some players together. A few things when it comes to me with prospect lists. One, I know draft picks because I follow them. And that was what I was paid to do for a few years there. Uh, so while I know those players well with the international group, it's not my specialty. So if a player has never played in a ball, I don't rank them. You're not going to hear about uh, Angel Martinez. For instance, he's probably gonna be the highest rated prospect in most places that doesn't make my list because my general view is so many international players bomb. And that's not a knock on any of those guys. It is just the high failure rate of prospects. And as players move up the system, uh, the washout rate is so incredibly high. You know, Dorsey's Polino is a guy that comes to mind where he might have been the most hyped prospect in the Indians minor league system for the first 10 years they covered him, or uh, Alexander Perez, Kevin De La Cruz. Now, some of these guys moved in the upper minors and were it's kind of the humor in a way. It's like Hector Rondon, there was the Latin triumvirate of pitchers. Hector Rondon was the least heralded in the lower minors, turned out to be the best with Kevin De La Cruz and Jenmar Gomez. De La Cruz was the best, and he might have pitched in the majors, but he was definitely the least successful of that group. So I like to get data. I like to see performances. I like to see players play. And just in the last decade, uh, Kevin Metien was the, was the king of hype in terms of international prospects, one of the guys that caused uh, John Copeland to get, was it John? caused uh, Choppy to get fired by the Braves because they were messing with uh, doing some international things illegally. 
he was like a consensus top 50 prospect from the moment he signed eventually went to the angels after he was made a free agent because of what happened with the Braves and is pretty much a non-prospect now. And this is my long way of saying, yes, you know, Fernando Tatis was junior was one of these guys uh, who was a international prospect who had to come up through the system and prove themselves. And there are many, many great players who come up and do that. Uh, but I don't rank guys in rookie ball. I just consider it still a bit of a, of a, a toss up, you know, it's still very much a, a position where guys are unproven and the success rate is so low. Uh, that's just my general view. That's my take on it. That's one of those things I've always kind of viewed that if a guy is in rookie ball, he's a very low value to me. And I would almost always, always, always trade a guy in rookie ball for uh, a player. Like if you could right now, the pirates are, making all their big time swings, I'd have been trading with the pirates as much as I could because if they just want to go for ceiling and low in rookie ball, I am selling the asset with the most volatility. And that is why those assets I don't value as much. That's just the truth of the matter there. So, and then, I mean, that plays big in my rankings in general, just where players are relative to system, how likely they are to become a future starter future major leaguer to a lesser degree, future starter. And then relievers tend to get short shrift as well. They're just not as valuable uh, throughout the whole thing. It's like, you're not going to see Kyle Nelson, Robert Broom, Nick Sandlin in the top 30. Uh, Class A makes it, Henkes makes it, who I think is a reliever long-term. But you're not going to see a lot of relief types. So that's just kind of my list. I will also point out some of the players. Another theme of late I brought up is just how... When, if you listen to yesterday's show, I talked about the fact that uh, they're going to have to add two players to the 40-man and how they'd be likely to do that as I project Shaw, at, at Brian Shaw and Oliver Perez to make the team. In addition, this 40-man roster is already very compact. There's not a lot of easy cuts or movable pieces. They have some huge 40-man decisions at the end of the year. So I'm going to make sure to point that out when there's someone who comes up who needs to be out of the 40 man at just like a very basic count. When I was looking earlier, I'm going to see if I can go back to where I had that. I think I counted something like six to seven players that need to be added this off season. Uh, you have at least four guys who are consensus top 10 prospects for the Indians that have to be added. And then, you know, I, let's see. So Sandlin and broom, it's kind of crazy that Sandlin needs to be added already. I know we had the COVID season and I know we got hurt, but he was specifically drafted as a second rounder to move quickly to be in the majors by now. And it hasn't happened yet, but that entire draft class uh, needs to be added. And it, like I said, I'll bring it up as we're going through, but let's just begin this process, right? Uh, no more putzing around. Number one prospect. There's some minor debate in places, uh, but I mean, for me, it's Nolan Jones. There's a ton of swing and miss. There is a, I don't know if he's ever going to hit lefties, but the walk rate at his age relative to the level, the power, better than you think athleticism, go through his minor league numbers. His runs created plus at every stop in the minors has uh, been fantastic everywhere he goes. And then one of those things that is a great indicator of future success is BAPIP, good old batting average of balls in play. Now, most people know this as the stat that we look at in the upper or in the majors, I should say, is a sign that a player is lucky. And you've heard me talk about this on the podcast before, but for those who haven't, in the lower minors, it's a sign of a positive contact and a strong hit tool. Yes, 
Nolan Jones is not going to be a 300 hitter, but he might be a better hitter than he gets credit for. And his bat pip kind of reflects that. This is a player who, you know, he runs okay, but he's no speed demon. Throughout his minor league career, I'm trying to see if they, so many things over on fan graphs that I have up, but 459, 417, 347, 418, 399, 346. Three or, yeah, 346. That is his worst. Like an average is 285, 290. So that's, you know, phenomenal. Worst walk rate, 14.5%. Worst runs created plus was a 118 uh, in his first year. He's been an offensive monster every stop of the way. And even if he's a platoon bat, he's still going to mostly be facing uh, right-handed pitching, and he's going to destroy it. I just have full confidence in that. I think he can move into the outfield. I think you put him with Luplo, and he will be more than fine out there. I'm buying in. Uh, he's, you know, the, I put some Russell Brannion comp to a degree there. I think also there's some, you know, Adam Dunlight, things like that. And that is why I fully believe in Nolan Jones. He walks, he hits. There's a lot of positive indicators. And I sometimes forget just how many positive indicators until I go and I look and I'm like, that's right. He's got bat pip and walk rate and power. You know, we'll see about the defensive position, but all those combined to make me feel very comfortable with Nolan Jones as the top prospect. Tyler Freeman is who I put in the two spot. He is an interesting player uh, from the perspective that a lot of people, you either really like him or you just don't think there's going to be enough. And you're like, well, he's a second baseman. What about the hit? You know, there's a hit tools or anything else. And let's be honest, the hit tool is what you're thinking is going to carry him. There's not going to be much power. He doesn't walk at a particularly high rate. He doesn't strike out much either, which is a profile that can sometimes be, it's like he's got batting average, but how is he going to supplement that? Like, is there enough there to really have another skill? And if anything's going to be the shortcoming, it's that, you know, as you look at him, just when he got to high A, the overall, like the WRC plus the runs created dipped. What's going to happen when he gets to double A? He has some volatility that scares me in that regard, but I still think it's a relatively safe profile as an above average starter. I think he could handle shortstop in a pinch. <laughs> like all these negatives, he's probably got the best hit tool in the Indians minors. And one of those players that, uh, like I said, my one concern here is he's always been the grinder. He's always been a guy that's more skill over tools. And if you are someone who's all about tools, he's not going to be your high-end player. But I think there's a very good chance for him to be an above-average plus shortstop very soon. More likely at second base. Yeah, Third spot, George Valera. This is just an upside gamble. If you believe in him, uh, it was nice seeing a few people come down on the hit tool just because a year ago people were over the moon with the hit tool, even though in the lower minors he really hadn't he had struggled to hit for average. Walks at a high percentage, power potential, top outfield prospect on the team. I still buy the power and the ability to play a corner. I think he's going to be an above average bat. We'll see, the Indians' ability to develop outfielders has been frightening, but he has, you know, the best kind of outside of Nolan Jones, the best middle of the lineup potential of any hitter in the Indians' system. And it just because you know, the, the power there, the ability to work walks, and then his age relative to level production. I'm going to bet on above average power, average hit, and maybe sub average hit with uh, 
above average, like 45 hit, 55 on base skills type of deal. And that's one of those things where why I have him there. Maybe most controversial comes in here at number four on my list. And before I get into my most controversial, let's just take a moment, break, and talk about the fantastic sponsors that keep this show going. RockAuto.com. Uh, I always talk about the fact that I am not car savvy. Rock Auto, though, is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. When you go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers, all of that there, I know nothing about cars, easy to navigate site. I always want to sit there and say, know that it's a place you can easily go, easily navigate, find all your pieces. It's a great tool to have in your back pocket. So you, because our cars are going to break, we all know that, make sure you are getting a good price on your parts for your car. And when you go to lock, when you go to Rock Auto, make sure you write locked on in there. How'd you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. You could say locked on Indians. You could say locked on MLB, or you can just say locked on. Any of that helps. You're going to put that in the box at rockauto.com. Again, it's a t- it's a fantastic website, easy to navigate, and a great tool for you. So that next time something does go wrong with your car, head to Rock Auto so you can have the peace of mind to know that you are getting a good price. And if you're not getting a good price, then order that piece on Rock Auto and find someone who will install it for you. RockAuto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. We have talked about Lockdown Bets before, one of our brand new shows with Lee Sterling and your boy Q. All things gambling, all things bets. If that is your thing, go subscribe to Lockdown Bets today. So let's continue with the prospect talk. Time we can dive into some controversial takes with the player I have listed fourth in system, and that's Tristan McKenzie. There are people who put him number one, and I guess my whole thing, it's like even as I was writing about this, you look at it, in terms of things I like to look at, the K-9 last year, phenomenal. And throughout most of his minor league career, his walk to nine has always been phenomenal, but it stayed strong. Home run rate is a concern. When we talk about the whole, whole bat pip thing, well, with pitchers, it's the same, uh, but bat pip really is a great indicator of luck more so with pitchers than hitters because we know that's going to stabilize with hitters there's some variance with speed and hit profiles pitchers that almost comes back to earth 217 so you're looking at like 60 points below average his fip a 391 uh i don't like xfip because i don't like normalized home run rate data that's the big difference between those two if you're ever curious like fip is fielding independent era gives it's a great indicator stat so it's more if everyone had the same defense, you know, what would their ERA be? XFIP no, makes home run data equal. So Josh Tomlin loved it, for instance. I mean, I don't know if he really did, but it helps players with high home run rates, which McKenzie had. So to go back to this, there is information and data here that shows us that McKenzie was lucky. He only pitched 33 innings. The year before that, he didn't pitch at all. And the year before that, he was hurt for two months and then largely ineffective. There's a lot of weight being put on 33 and not all of them good innings. Like he started to fade as last year went on. I'm still not hundred percent sold that he's going to be a starter for the length of his career. Uh, just because of some of the issues that I saw in the minors as velocity. He's more of a mid rotation starter. I, I think when you look at the overall profile, it, if someone's buying in or telling you that he's going to be a future ace. I would question that analysis. The, the, you know, he's, 
he never added velocity uh, for the most part. Uh, I did see him in 2018 at points in Akron hitting 96, 97, but that gun in Akron runs hot. I got to be honest. He did start out more like 89 to 92. He would get up, he got up to 93 to 96 last year, but then that faded. I just have, like I said, I have concerns with that. Uh, fastball, maintaining that velocity. Curveball's good. Sec- change, slider and changeup. Eh, you know, it's one of those things. And for as much as he's tried to add weight, I just get nervous with unicorns in general, which is what McKenzie is. Uh, I mentioned this on the pod last week, but when I went and looked for players with his height and weight ratios, the only player that turned up in the baseball reference finder was Jason Schmidt, which then led to the humorous thing where I tweeted that out. And I did not tag Jason Schmidt in that, but he tracked down that tweet and responded to it to let me know that was his high school weight. That was not what he reached the majors at. So the the size is an issue. The injuries are an issue. So why is he four? Well, I mean, it was a really good 33 innings. And the overall profile is either a dynamic reliever. I still think that his stuff could play up in that shortened role and be like a two-pitch dynamic or two-pitch multi-inning dynamic reliever or a solid 4-5 type and a very likely one of those. It's a very safe profile. That's why I have, have him at that ranking leading system. Fifth was another big debate for me. Um, I'm putting Gabriel Arias there. I know some places are higher, some are lower. Defensively, he's going to be a major league shortstop. I think defensively, he might be a better shortstop than Andres Jimenez. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, great defense plus power potential, will he hit enough? That's that's all it comes down to. Will he hit enough? The Indians think he will, and that's why he was the centerpiece of the Clevenger deal. And if you are a fan of his, you're looking at an exciting profile because of the power potential in the defense at short. It is a risk, but it is a high-ceiling player who was has always performed well at his age relative to level. Bo Naylor next, and again, age relative to level, uh, playing in difficult position and playing well. He has always performed well in the lower minors. Uh, the Indians have struggled uh, with catcher development mightily through the years. Roberto Perez is one of those guys that took a while. He was a day three pick who, I mean, frankly, was one of those players that at various points I thought could be a minor league cut, just kept developing and eventually turned into an above average gold glove defender. Always a strong defender. It was just the bat was like at points. I would have probably put it like a 30 grade on it. But other than that, you go through and it's, it's been a struggle. That's why they acquired hedges. Jan Gomes had already been, I think in the majors, he at least played in triple a before he came over. They had not developed a lot of catching in their top drafted guys. Uh, you know, like said Lucas Simeon, maybe was a day two pick and Alex Levesky, who was the local kid. And, Jake Lowry, who was still in the national system a few years ago, they've spent a lot of day two picks on catchers. None of them have worked out. Naylor is developing well. He was a guy, there was some thought that he might shift to third, but he has just played well in the lower minors. You look at that one season back in 2019, nothing super exciting, but again, you're just like, this is a guy who is improving as a defender 
and giving good production at his age relative to the level at the hardest position to fill on the diamond. Let's be honest. Ethan Hankins. Um, so Hankins over at Espino might be a surprise and I'll discuss why I think Hankins has a clearer starters profile and build really interesting. How many people are still kind of down on Hankins? Um, when I like look on lists or where he's not rated very highly, Ethan Hankins and Kumar Rocker were the top two right-handed pitchers heading into the post summer of the draft class. Those were the two guys that were often mentioned together. Now, Hankins was inconsistent in the spring, and he was hurt. He's moved through the minors pretty easily for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, again, we do have a limited overall inning profile, but you look at, you know, we just wish we had more data. Let's get down to it. But the the missed bats are there. The control, you need some work, if we're being honest. But I, I just look at a guy who has the size, has the velocity, um, 6'6", 200 pounds, more of a traditional type of starter. And that's why I'm putting Hankins there, the other arms and system. Now, I know other people are higher on some of the other pitchers, but I I just like the, I think the ceiling, the ceiling isn't as high as it is with the other arms, but I think the floor is, is uh, in terms of a starter, I think the floor is higher with him, right? Am I getting it right? High ceilings, high floor, yeah. I think then some of the other arms that I will talk about later on. So none of these players, I think, so far. Freeman needs to be added to the 40-man at the end of the year. Uh, Valera needs to be added to the 40-man at the end of the year. Arias is already on it. Does Naylor need to be added? He might need to be added as well. Now that I think about that, uh, the Ty Freeman draft class, was that? I'm trying to remember what year Freeman. It all starts to blend in your head, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, 2017 for Freeman and Naylor was, was he 2018? Or was he 2017 as well? He was 2018, so Naylor does not need to be added quite yet. But going back to the list, uh, after Hankins, I put Daniel Espino. Espino has a higher ceiling, far and away, higher ceiling than Hankins. He's He's got three potential plus pitches. He's got huge velocity. It is not a clean profile. I have high, li- high risk of reliever, high risk of injury. Ceiling-wise, um, highest of any pitcher I've mentioned here. And honestly, probably the highest ceiling pitcher in system for me but a huge amount of risk. Now, I do think there's a very good chance, even if injuries do occur, that he could still be a dynamic reliever, but high risk with Espino is why he's a little bit lower. Next up, uh, kind of a hot name. Uh, maybe someone, Aaron Braccio, that, or Braccio, that you haven't heard as much about, but prospect-wise, you know, you're looking at things where people are trying to predict like a helium guy in system or a guy who could come out now, in his time, you know, 2018 was like a lost season due to injury. 2019 was very limited, but he looked really good, and he continues to just hit. Everywhere he goes, it's like he hits, and it's a complete hitter profile, and we'll see if he can continue doing it. I'm a little nervous with my placement here because, again, this is a bit of a trusting scouting reports and trusting the video, but it's a, it's a very good profile as a second baseman, Maybe a higher ceiling than Ty Freeman, but a lot more risk. 10, Daniel Johnson. I still believe in him. <laughs> no, does not seem like it. Too many people still do, but Daniel Johnson is still a player that I believe in. Defensively, he should be at least a fourth outfielder with his ability to run and his uh, arm can play all three spots. Above average power. He, sh- he showed really strong improvement as a hitter in 2019. 
So much so that there were people who were not fans of Daniel Johnson who were like, okay, this guy is no worse than a platoon bat. And then he didn't get to play last year and people have jumped off that bandwagon. I am still there. I still believe in Daniel Johnson. Just wish the Indians did. I mean, I really just put Josh Naylor at first and Daniel Johnson in the outfield. You're going to make your team so much better. Like I am firmly of that. There is no world where, where uh, Bradley or Bowers is going to make them better than that would. And that's just my strong belief at this point in time. I know there's some names I have not mentioned yet, and we will talk about those names in a moment here after we take another quick sponsor break. Should we talk about Bilt Bar? Uh, I love Bilt Bar. One of my all-time favorite sponsors. It's a product I eat. It's a product I love. It is a product I enjoy. Right now, they have the Bilt Bar Bracket 2021 Sweetest 16. Today's matchup, Toffee Almond versus Mint Brownie. Now, I have talked about the fact that I love the Bilt Bar. Like completely read it all of their bars over the summer came back and they're all fantastic except for I kind of dug the old Tommy toffee almond more than the current one. In this case, I'm going with the mint brownie. Now I did bet against toffee almond in round one, uh, with the banana nut bread. We'll see if it continues to advance, but I am firmly, I like that mint brownie. I think that is a good flavor. That is one that is definitely worth checking out. All their flavors are worth checking out. And right now, if you go to built bar, they have so many things going on. They have a million dollar giveaway. You can go check that out. If you go and buy something right now, you get three free packets of Built Go with every 18 bar box purchase, which is their little like squeeze and eat uh, energy to go thing. So lots going on. And the best thing is you can get that three free packets of Built Go and you can still use the promo code LOCKDOWN20, which is the best discount you will find anywhere far and away. Like as someone who buys from them and they send me discount codes, it's only 10 or 15%. It is never 20, which is what LOCKDOWN20 gives you. If you enter the to win a million dollars, which I did today, that's a 10% discount they send you. 20, locked on 20. That is the best price you're going to go get. Check out Built Bar today. You won't regret it. And betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but you have the NBA, college basketball, NHL, and of course, Major League Baseball in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets. That's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book. And to get that 50% deposit, remember to use the promo code locked on. And this is just a reminder. Crossover Wednesdays tomorrow, I'll be talking with Ryan from Locked On Royals. We've talked with the guys from the Locked On White Sox. We talked with Locked On uh, Tigers with Chris. Ryan, Locked On Royals. I'm going to try to convince him to just do a 30-minute uh, Carlos Santana appreciation uh, half hour. I don't think he's going to go for it, but uh, there'll be plenty of Carlos Santana talk on the show. So let's dive back in. At 11, this is going to be easily the most controversial decision player placement. And that's Brian Rocoio. I'm just not as high. And I've talked about before. He's great in rookie ball. When he went to like Mahoning Valley, there was nothing that stood out. The bat pip was not great. The WRC plus wasn't great. He didn't walk a lot. Uh, the one thing you would say is there was some pop. The home runs were good for that. And I know for most People who scout him, he's like a potential top 100 overall prospect, one of the top five players in the system. And I get that, that he is a 
for them, it's like he's a no-doubt shortstop, and he can hit, and there's some power, and it's it's a profile that looks really good as a potential down-the-road guy, but I don't think it's that safe. I just don't. I don't think he's as safely profiled as maybe others list him or talk about. Uh, he's also another guy who, by the way, the Indians have to add to the 40-man at the end of the year, so you're seeing this theme because that is something you have to keep in mind. This is a team that is going to be under a monster 40-man crush. Uh, we saw teams like the Padres last year go out of their way to trade away guys who are going to be 40-man eligible, and the Indians might do that this year. They might look to buy where they try to package multiple players, like maybe like a Rocoyo, because again, they have so many shortstops. And he was a guy, because he was stuck in Venezuela, could not get to the alternate site last year, was not part of that grouping. So he's even more behind. So I'm just, I look at just the flow of the shortstops and system. I think he's behind some of the other guys and I'm not sold on just the general safety. I think he's a good player, good prospect, definitely a potential starter. And because of the tools and everything else, I, I feel like 11 is a good place because that's where I often put guys from like, this is, this is kind of my gamble. Like I, I put guys there that I'm, I think could really elevate. Sometimes I'll pull a guy out of nowhere and put him there compared to other rankings. But I think this is kind of more the area I feel comfortable with. Uh, 12, Eli Morgan, someone talked about on the show many times. The debate is when you put him in the pen, it's a very limited role with the low fastball velocity. Can he be effective with just the change? Whereas a starter, maybe he can get by with more middling stuff because he has that one plus plus pitch. Either way, I think he's a future major leaguer. I think it's a very safe major league profile, hence 12. Antilio at 13. He is the perfect pitcher for the Indians. Uh, he has not added any velocity, great control. The Indians are an organization that excels at adding velocity. Him coming here is just, for him, might be the best thing that's happened to his career. Uh We'll see what happens. I think the Indians specifically targeted to get him in that Clevenger deal because they do excel at adding velocity. The knock on and Cantillo, Cantillo was that he has not added velocity. He said fantastic production in the lower minors, though. Great athlete. Young for every level he's been at. Classic Indians type. 14, Owen Miller. Another Clevenger trade piece. Uh, and you know we'll go to, to 15 today, and then we'll save the rest for later on in the week. So you're going to have to tune in to the Thursday show to get the rest of these. Owen Miller is just a safe. I don't know if he's going to be a starter. I don't know if he has enough. I think he's a guy you can get away with as a fill-in starter. And it, it just, he's a safe, easy to project player. Can play all over the diamond. One of those, like a plus Mike Freeman. How does that sound? Plus Mike Freeman. Uh, there's a chance that he's even more than that. And we'll have to see he's always overperformed his tools. He has always performed well. He, I feel like is getting underestimated to a degree right now, because again, lost season, one of those players that if he had performed really well last year, would have forced his way into the big leagues and may not even be a prospect. And then 15, I'm ending with Logan Allen, the younger one. If you've been listening to this podcast for the last six months, every single guest host I've had, who's someone who covers the draft or prospects brings up Logan Allen's name every single one like you know who i really like in that system or if i ask them like who's your favorite prospect who doesn't get enough hype or if i go you know what's a prospect you want to talk about logan allen comes up every single time and i think that says a lot when 
multiple people from multiple organizations uh, are bringing up what he can do, what he is, the skill set. Supreme athlete, two-way player at Florida Atlantic, great control numbers, not the biggest guy, doesn't throw the hardest, but well-developed secondary stuff with his athleticism. Would not be surprised to see him at a few miles miles per hour. Name to watch for sure in this system. Again, just a guy who's well-loved. And what is interesting here is we're definitely entering a, entering a part of these top 20 of this top 30, I should say, where we're going to start talking about left-handed pitching which is the Indians have struggled to develop lefties. Who was the last lefty that they developed? Stop and think about that for a bit. Like who was their last left-handed starter? Was it Cliff Lee? Was that, I I know it wasn't, but that's probably what most people are thinking right now. And that just kind of goes to speak to the issues, even in terms of left-handed relievers, you know, they traded for Miller, they traded for Scrabble. Uh, Gosh, I'm blanket on the guy they signed from Colorado who didn't work out. Who's the lefty. That, uh, you know, I'm sure someone's yelling at the monitor, but they've struggled with left-handed pitcher development. So these guys were, I'm not going to say it was chalk because it definitely wasn't. My boards definitely tend to differ because I do put a lot in terms of um, numerical production and certain specific numbers that have been very great indicators of future success. Now you can't just scout a box score. I do sit down and watch a video. I sit down and talk with other people I trust. But I would say it's something like 70% number, 10% talking with others, and then 20% either video or in person. I did the math right there. No, I didn't. I did not. I said 60, 10. So it'd be a 70. So it'd be 30% video. It seems about right. Uh, but I think I am definitely a lot more numerical than most. So you want to make sure to tune in Thursday because you're going to get to hear my my under the radar guys, some deeper sleepers, some names to know that may not be on every list. Uh, you know, there are some some names that are going to be there. Carson Tucker's Tanner Burns is of the world, but some other ones. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for the past year, you know, Brian Levestita is coming up at some point and I've been on him for a while. Uh, Ricardo uh, Palacios might be popping up names like that. So just keep that in mind. Wow, we have gone 34 minutes to do 15 players. I want to thank everyone who's listening, rating, and reviewing. Remember to check out the crossover episode with Locked On Royals on Wednesday. And Thursday is the second half of this Top 30 Prospect Talk. We'll continue to talk about any transactions, players moving through camp, any news that might break with the Cleveland Indians. I know most of it's Cleveland Browns related right now uh, with free agency, but we still got Indian stuff to talk about. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And for the next year, at least, go Tribe.